0: In 1847, there was a French uh, village, and uh, there was a priest there who was the priest in that area, and the mayor's name was Placide Cabot, Capot, and uh, he, uh, the priest went to Capot. Now, Capot was the mayor, but he was also a wine connoisseur and a poet, better known for wine than for his church attendance, is, is the way the story goes. And the priest came to him and he says, listen, I would like for you to write a poem for our Christmas Eve mass this year. And so Capot took it uh, upon himself and because he was a poet anyway, and, and the story says that one night he's riding in his carriage and he's reflecting on the poem, but he's reflecting on the night that Christ was born and he penned a poem. The original title in French was called Contique de Noël, and, uh, but, but Capot liked the, uh, the poem so much that he went to a friend of his whose last name was Adams and asked him if he would compose music to go with his poem. So Adams sits down. Now Adams was a Jew. He wasn't even a Christ follower, but he, b- because of his friendship with Capoe, he began to write, the com- compose the lyrics, uh, compose the music for the lyrics that Capoe had written. And uh, so they had, uh, rolled around the Christmas mass and Christmas Eve and they did it, and it was received very well. However, what happened was is Capot, whose lifestyle was a little shaky as it was, stepped away from his faith completely and joined what was called the Socialist Party. All of a sudden, the priest in the area started thinking, here's a guy who's walked away from his faith, and the guy who composed the music was a Jew. None of them are even uh, adhering to Jesus Christ, so they decided that... Um, that uh, the song would be put under and banned and no longer used. The name of that song was Oh Holy Night when it came into English. And it was banned from being sung in France and, and was just buried. Well, it, it slowly started to come back out. And where it got its um, wind was by a guy named John DeWite during the slavery time in the United States. He was an abolitionist, he was against slavery, he wanted to abolish slavery. And uh, the song Oh Holy Night talks about, has a line in there about slavery. And so John Dwight brought it back out, modernized it, and that became Oh Holy Night and started to kind of trickle to be used a little bit more, especially during that time. However, what really sent it into the mainstream was in 1906, there there was a guy, his name was Reginald Fessenden. And Reginald Fessenden was a, a, a peer with Thomas Edison, and uh, he was working on different things with Edison. And on Christmas Eve, one of the things that Pheasanton did is he was sending for the first time across airwaves a voice. It had always been done by code and this kind of stuff before. So for the first time he was on Christmas Eve, he chose to see if he could make airwaves uh, possible. So what he did was he did whatever the contraption was, and the only ones that had receiving ability were ships that were out there. And he began to go to Luke chapter 2, it's Christmas Eve, and read the story of the birth of Jesus. And lo and behold, some of the the captains could hear it uh, across the airways for the first time. After Pheasanton finished reading Luke chapter 2, account of the birth of Jesus, he began to sing, O Holy Night. And it was sung out there, it was the first song across the airwaves that that came about. Now, we see O Holy Night today and, and we think, oh, it's not that big a deal. But when you hear the background of something, it brings it to life even more. And there's a line in O Holy Night that says this, The thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. Now, many of us can identify with the weary world, because some of you are weary. You're tired of, if you have one more thing you got to attend, uh, these kind of stuff, you're you're weary. But I want to know how much hope there is today. How, some of you, and that's why I wanted to talk to Jay about the loss, because even in the midst of loss, there can be hope. And, and oftentimes, what we're hoping for is longer life, right? We're wanting more life instead of the fullness of life. And our hope needs, needs to not be in more days, Our hope needs to be in the one who holds the days. But what happens in life so often, though, is that there is something that comes along that disturbs the force, so to speak, to use Star Wars right now. We know all of us, we have a life planned out. And we, we have it out there. We have certain things that we want to work out. And so we, we do the plans. And we have plans. And we're going to work those plans until it comes. And it's like the American dream. We all have it, you know. And you're going to get married. And then you're going to have children. And you're going to live. And then this is what's going to happen. And yet somehow in the midst of life, something comes along and disturbs your plan. Whether it's uh, death. Whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a child that has rebelled and not living to the way that you had raised them to live. Maybe it's uh, financial issues. Maybe it's the, it's the marks on your scan that shows that there's a tumor or something. Everything that you had planned now all of a sudden gets disturbed. And we think, man, that is the weary world, but is there a thrill of hope in the midst of this? I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 1, just a moment, because I want to talk to you about somebody who had a plan, I believe, about life, and then he hit a hard part. And so it's Joseph. It's the earthly dad of Jesus. And I just want to read a couple of verses to you. But in Matthew chapter 1, it says this. I'm going to be reading from the ESV today. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's verse 18 if you're catching up. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I want to put verse 18 up here just uh, again. It says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. And then what's next? A comma. That comma is the pause when everything's about to change? You know, if you were to stop there ahead of time, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, that is—that is life in order. You see, Joseph would have grown up up there in the Galilee region. The, the he's betrothed to Mary. Mary, uh, what probably had happened is they had arranged marriages. And uh, that means that Mary's folks got with Joseph's folks somehow when they were younger and said when Mary gets old enough and Joseph is of age, then they're going to be married. And so they, the betrothal is when they come to that point of saying it's going to happen in a year, okay? It's official. It's going to happen. And in the course of that year, Joseph's responsibility is to go and get his house in order. Completely the home is in order. And, uh, you see the picture of Jesus here going to get the home in order to come back and get his bride. And so Joseph is going to prepare his home and what he does is he, he comes back at that point and then he's gonna get his bride. Mary, and Mary and Joseph are going to go, and they're going to have their home, and Joseph has his career as a carpenter. They're going to raise little ones. They're going to have a large family. It says that Joseph was a righteous man, so he's going to teach them the good things about God. They're going to grow up in this community with other people, and they're going to make this move, and Joseph's going to grow old with his kids, and he's going to turn it over to them, and his daughters are going to marry, and they're going to have to find strapping grandkids, and then he's going to live to a ripe old age, and then he's going to step out into eternity he's going to step out taking a good breath because he had left behind a legacy for his kids that would i believe would have been joseph's dream to do that however he had a comma in his life and after that comma what happens is is that mary comes and all of a sudden he finds that she is with child and he has to make a decision you can you can just see it. And many of you know what I'm talking about. You had your life all planned out. And you still do to this day. And some of you are going through that comma moment right now. For some reason, you're you've dealt with death, and this holiday is the first time. Your marriage is has gone bad. Your your kid has rebelled. Your health has gone. And all of those things you plan, all of a sudden you're in that comma just like Joseph was. And Joseph has to make a response in how he's going to deal with with this because here's what's going to happen you ready because of that comma the next thing we know is that mary comes and says she's with child by the holy spirit joseph is hearing this and his life is never going to be the same he could have taken the route of saying oh i'm going to have her stoned to death but he didn't do that he's a righteous man he said i can just give her a certificate of divorce and she'll be gone take care of it that way that's not what he did he was going to step into it differently, and what was going to happen from that day forward is his life would never be his own again, ever. Everything he had planned got totally disrupted. They're going to go down to Bethlehem because the Romans are going to say you've got to be taxed, and so he's of the house and lineage of David, so he has to go to Bethlehem, travel that 80 miles down south to make that move. And then while he's down there, they're going to have the baby while they're there, that like that's your dream hey honey let's get married and let's have a baby in a cave let's do that like that one's going to go over real well and that's where he is and now herod's after him so he has to run to egypt and then he has to come back and go another way because they're still after his wife to kill him he's eventually going to be back up in the galilee region so that jesus could be raised there according to prophecy is what is what we're told but all of joseph's life that you think would have been planned out, is totally disturbed. His life would never be his own again. In fact, by the age of 12 is the last time we ever hear about Joseph. We never hear about him again after that. Most scholars believe he died early. Maybe this dream is what took him over the edge. I mean, you know, you think about it. And so he is no longer in the scene, but yet God did an incredible thing. And, and we look at this and, and just look at the scripture just a second about the dream that he had. Look at how, how God visited him in this dream and what was his response to the dream. The first part of the dream is always this. God always, if God shows up in a dream or in a vision to you, his first words, I promise you're going to be this. Don't be afraid. Because why? You're going to be afraid. He says, don't fear what Mary's told you. Don't fear that. Because what is in her is actually of the Holy Spirit. And he's uh, uh, affirming that in this dream. And then he says uh, this, and this is what I want you to do. And you talk about no pressure. What I want you to do is I want you to raise the Son of God and name him Jesus. Now take that for pressure. You know, we dads, we dads think we're proud when we're given our child, but imagine that the Son of God. And so in this dream, he says, don't fear, this is of me. But number two, you have an incredible responsibility to name him Jesus and raise him. Now, I've thought about how would I respond and how could, number one, he could have said, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do what you're saying to do. I'm just not going to do it. Or secondly, he uh, he could have just justified his own rights here. He justified, you know, I can have Mary done away with. I am a good guy. I'm just going to give her a certificate of divorce, and I'm going to go on with my life. He could have justified his rights right there, or, and this is always the third one. He could have pulled over to the side of the road and just stopped. And here's what I mean by that. You ever been in the, one of those pea soup fogs, and it's and and you cannot see. You don't know if another car's coming. You can't even see the road hardly in front of you. There's two responses if you're in a fog like that and you're driving. One is, I'm just going to pull over to the side of the road because I can't see very well, and I'm just going to stop hoping that the fog lifts. Or number two, you're going to slow down a little bit, but you're going to keep moving because you know eventually you're going to come out of the fog. I have discovered that when commas come in life, sometimes it paralyzes us. And... uh, and there's a temptation sometimes to not go forward. Jay needed other people to kind of kick-start him some. But you can't pull over and just stop. Joseph could have done that, but he didn't. So what did he do? What was his response? And I, and I love this uh, in the response. Number one thing is, After the dream, and you're going to think this is trivial, but to me it's huge, he woke up. In other words, he became alert all of a sudden that this is real. You know, when you're going through a fog, let's say especially grieving from death or the loss of a job or or these kind of things, sometimes you just get paralyzed and you can't move. You don't know what to do. But yet what happened with Joseph is he's been confronted with this from God, and all of a sudden he becomes aware that this is my new normal. This is where I'm going now. This is the way life is. I am at a crisis of belief in my life, and I'm either going to take those steps or I'm not going to move. And so he wakes up. Sometimes we need other people to help us wake up because we We just get lagged behind. So number one, he woke up. But number two, it says this. He obeyed what the angel had commanded. In other words, he chose to obey God at that point. Now here's the deal about obeying God. You ready? You do not know exactly where that's going to take you. All he knew at that point was, I'm to take Mary as my wife. He didn't know that his whole life was going to be shook up like a snow scene from now on. But that's what he took. God, I will obey you. I will trust you because you're God. And that's the only way he could find himself to move on. And so first of all, he woke up. And then second of all, he did what the Lord commanded. And this is this is part of what doing the Lord commanded. I want you to hear this. I believe Joseph walked very close with God. And you're going to think, well, how, how can you know that? Well, first of all, it says he was a righteous man. But second of all, God repeatedly spoke to him through dreams. Now, some of you have had dreams that you think were God. But you walk walking close with God. He can choose to speak to you however he wants to. And Joseph received that, and he received it through dreams. He walked closely with God, and we see that his life was always that way. But he knew it was no longer his plan, but it was God's plan. So let me shift gears, because I want to get very practical. I don't know what commas you've been through in this life. I I don't know your commas of life. I, I can't stand up here and begin to say, I have never... Had a spouse die. And so I brought Jay up here to interview him. Had a dad die. I've, I've gone through certain things. But what about your comma? Maybe your kids haven't turned out the way you thought. Maybe your marriage fell apart. Maybe your business fell apart. Maybe, maybe there's just something that you, had, you thought your dream was there and the ever after never came about because of this comma. I want you to know God is in the comma. And, and, and I, just three practical things. I, I promise you I'm short with this. But I want you to hear this. Number one is this. Comma times do not make an appointment. So if you've not been through one, I'm not here to curse you. But I would say that nobody has death on their calendar. Nobody has a job layoff on their calendar. Nobody has a cancer that develops on their calendar. Nobody has a, a team that has walked away from their faith or a spouse that has walked away from their faith on their calendar. Comma times do not make an appointment. Joseph was not expecting that. And that's what happened. So I don't say that to curse you. I, I just say that in, a, in this world we live in, they're going to come. Okay? They're going to come. So comma, comma times do not make an appointment. But number two is this. Don't let your comma time become a period. Here's what I mean by that. A period is a stop sign. A comma is just a pause and let's see what's on the other side of it. The temptation sometimes, and this is what I've discovered. I'm visiting with a guy right now in the hospital. He has become very cynical in his face and he's had tons of things go against him and he was surprised I came back. And uh, in in talking back with him, I'm just reminded of this. When the comma of of life hit, you either become bitter or you become better. And sometimes that bitterness can eat you up. Oh, God, why did you do this? And let me tell you, this guy is angry with God. God, why did you do this? God, why did you allow this to happen? God this, God that, and and you just just put all this out and, and he did this. And you become bitter. Instead of seeing that better... You know, Joseph could have got bitter. Listen, God, I have a career here. I've got things that people speak well of me. I don't want to become the town gossip. I don't want to be these things. And, and to see it could have been that way. Do not let your comma time become a stop sign, a period. But here's the third thought. God will use your comma time to aid others. I don't know how soon this will happen. I like what Jay said. He he kind of realized there were other people going through things, and he had been able to appoint to help them. But I'm telling you, God will use your comma time to aid others. Chances are, somebody else has walked through it. Paul even said in Second Corinthians that you go through uh, these adverse times so that you can in turn help somebody else. I don't know when it'll happen. I, I don't. I don't know. It could be sooner than you think usually God just kind of throws it at you all of a sudden and you've got to make a decision because it's time to start, to, to start helping others instead of just thinking about me and this situation all the time. It's time for me to step out. I don't know when that time will be. Uh, what I love uh, is that, that people are different. People grieve differently. People walk through processes differently. These, we're called human beings. I mean, we're, we're in this humanity, we're walking through this. But, but these commas in life... Will let you use them to aid others eventually. Some of you are in a comma, and this holiday season is not. Some people have quit coming to regular worship because of commas in their life, where, where they need to be in it with other people, because you, you never you never know. Some some people say, "Well, I don't come to church because everybody's perfect there." I'm thinking, "Could not? It's not here." But, but what I'm saying is, is that some of you are going through commas and you're going through struggles. There was a, a little boy who was to play the innkeeper in the children's nativity uh, scene at their, at their little school, Christian school. And you know how kids are always great in those nativity scenes. Nothing's going to go according to script, but, but uh, this is what was going to happen. And so he was the innkeeper, and he had a, one simple line, I'm sorry, but there is no room in the inn. That was all he was supposed to say, because Mary and Joseph come, knock on the door, open the door, I'm sorry there's no room in the inn. Now, rehearsal always goes perfect, but the night of the particular program, here it goes, the, Mary and Joseph making their way across, and they come to the, to the inn, knock on the door, little boy opens the door, and he sees the lights, he sees the crowd. There's a moment of freeze, and Joseph says, We are in need of a room. Do you have any rooms? And he says, I'm sorry, but there is no rooms in the end. And then he's supposed to shut the door. And Mary and Joseph turn to walk away to do whatever they're going to do. And he starts to push the door closed. And then he he has this thought and he opens it up and he says, Hey, but you can have my room. (laughs) You know what I think Joseph did? He said, God, you can have my room. And I think that's, that's what it means about following Jesus Christ. It's not about keeping a set of rules and regulations. It's about a personal relationship with a God who loves you immensely. And he knows what is best for you, even in the comma times. And he says, I'm here. And he says, Lord, here's my room. It's yours. I want you to bow your heads with me just a moment. I I I want you to hear me and 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 not not tune out yet, okay? <clears throat> I know, and I'm going to pray over us in just a moment. Let me but hear me, just shut your eyes. I know some of you are going through some of those comma times today. I mean, you think you got it under control sometimes, but then it creeps its ugly head up and it's just hard to deal with because you had all these great plans and then all of a sudden they get disturbed. And maybe you're walking through that this holiday season. Health or marriage or maybe God has said this is, you know, you think about it. Maybe God has said, I want you to go on another career path or another plan. And and it's just kind of messed up everything you had planned. But I know death does that. I know divorce does that. I know. Children that don't walk in what we've taught them do that. I know that cancer, health scares do that. But how are you responding with that comma?